Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul makes an interesting statement. He's obviously about to go into things of the Spirit and talking about spiritual gifts those kind of things, but here in verse 1, he makes a statement, in the New King James it reads this way, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, everyone say ignorant, I do not want you to be ignorant, the New American Standard reads it this way, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, unaware, ignorant, unaware, The Passion Translation reads it this way. My fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. Robert, you can bring that, the keys down just a bit. They're not overwhelming me. He says, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. And... You know, as we were closing out the year, you might remember on Wednesday nights, we spent quite some time in the realm of the mind of the Spirit and the life of the Spirit, in recognizing that there is a wisdom of the world, there is a way of thinking um, of the world, a natural capacity to comprehend, to reason, to to logically put together. But you remember in Galatians chapter 3, Paul makes an interesting statement to the church. He said, oh, foolish Galatians. We're not calling them stupid. We're not calling them necessarily ignorant. But what he means by that word foolish is you have moved yourself to try to reason things based off of a natural capacity alone. You started this thing in the spirit. We must finish this thing in the spirit. And without really knowing, I mean, the Lord you know, took me to that passage and just more and more as I was diving into it, it just turned into week two, week three, week five, week six. I don't know how long exactly we were in it, but I just felt that it was setting the stage. And as I was praying, um, you know, I felt like I was going to lead off this year talking about the renewed mind. The renewed mind. I love talking about mind renewal at at the beginning of a year because that's where we're all in a kind of state of reflection, you know, re-engaging things. You know, you've ended a year and you're going into a new year. It just lends itself to a great openness and receptivity to, you know, renewal and seeing things differently and thinking differently and, and and, and, and God's wanting to do a new thing. So how do I prepare myself for this new thing? And there's things that I need to let go of that we're behind. And there's things that I need to press toward in this new year. And, and 
the Lord just kept bringing me back to what we were ending the year on, this, this wisdom and foolishness contradiction. And Paul makes this statement. He says, I, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual reality. Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. Those three words just stood out to me. Ignorant, unaware, and confused. Ignorant, unaware, and confused. I believe that that is the devil's territory. Ignorance is not lacking the capacity to know, it's not knowing. Stupidity is lacking the capacity. That's when you have shut yourself off and said, I don't want to know. But ignorance is just, I haven't had that revealed to me yet, or I haven't seen that, or I haven't seen it that way before. It's okay to recognize the areas where we might be ignorant in some things. That's okay. That's actually a great place to start. Because the one that thinks he knows it all has cut himself off from ever knowing it all. When you think you've achieved that state is when you have actually removed yourself from ever achieving that state. From ever walking in the new things and ever walking in greater revelation is when you think I've already seen it all, achieved it all, done it all. So it's okay to recognize those positions where, no, I'm, I'm ignorant in that area. I need to grow there. I need to get some seed there. I need to get some revelation. I need to get some openness there. Unaware. You know, even on the way over here, you know, just processing it and, and just, you know, the Lord told me that we've got to raise awareness. You've heard that term before? Raising awareness, usually it's, you know, having to do with something like, you know, saving whales or, you know, it's usually got to raise awareness of, you know, all the plastic in the ocean or raise awareness of this and raise awareness of that. But I believe that the Lord needs us to raise our awareness to some things in the spirit. I don't think we miss out on the things of the spirit because they're not happening. I believe that we miss out because we're not aware they're happening. They're happening. Oh, they're moving. Both in the demonic realm and in the the glorious kingdom of God. In both realms, there are things happening that happening that we have to be able to see and have a perspective of these things, or, or else we're going to be combating spiritual problems with natural resources. We've, we've done that long enough. Amen. I've done that long enough. I, I'm done trying to combat spiritual things, spiritual principalities on, on natural means alone. I'm not saying there won't be any natural movement or natural instruction or natural engagement, but it comes from the spirit to the flesh, not from the flesh trying to move the spirit. Doesn't work that way. We got to get the two in order. We got to become aware of some things. And then this other word in this in the Passion translation, confused. Confused. You know, a couple chapters later, in chapter 14, when 
when Paul begins to break down speaking in tongues, heavenly languages, uh, praying in the spirit versus praying in English, and when we should do, when we should don't, and all these different things, he makes a statement towards the end. He says, God is not the author of. That means if I'm confused about something, I'm not operating in his realm. Sometimes we buy this idea that God, for some reason, is intentionally keeping us in the dark or intentionally keeping things from us. And, and so that, that's just a position where we need to no, I believe that God is working harder than we are uh, in, in, in trying to open our minds and open us up to things of the Spirit of God. I, I believe that. I believe that there's more that he wants us to know, uh, even more needs us to know. And so these, these things of, of spiritual nature um, is kind of where I, I'm going to camp out. And, and, and I feel like on these Wednesdays, um, I, you know, I don't really have a model or a method or a template or a pattern to it. And, and we can go on and on about the state of chaos and, and, and the state of the world and the state of society and, and, and how crazy things are, and, and I think it's we're, we're to a point now. Um, unless the church figures out these spiritual matters, I'm not saying that we have this matter of control that can change the fate of the world. I believe the fate of the world is the fate of the world, and the the hope of the church is the hope of the church. I just don't want us to miss our moment. I don't want us to miss the time that we're living in. I don't want us to miss the mark. I don't want us to pass up or pass by what God is doing in the earth today. I know that he will find someone else. I just don't want him to. I want to be the one. Why not me? I think we did this on, on, on Sunday. Why not us? Why not us usher in the last day revival? Why not us bring Jesus back to this earth to receive his, his church to himself, spend time with him in glory, and then come back here and rule and reign as we are called to by the word of God? Why not us? Why not us see? And at the very least, set up the next generation to be the why not us. At the very least. I just feel such an urgency and such a burden. I've felt this for quite some time. Those of you that have been with us now for a while, you you, you know this, that, uh, that there's, there's just a, a burdening on my heart and a burdening as a pastor. I feel like I, I'm doing you a great disservice by not getting us more into spiritual matters. And the church has spent quite some time Recently, you know, last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, making a big deal of the natural, making a big deal of methods and programs, making a big deal of, of statistical things. And, 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 and again, not that they're wrong, not that those measures were wrong, but we deviated. We put the Holy Spirit in a closet. We put him in the back room for a little bit and said, you know what, let's try this on our own. And I just don't feel that it worked out as well as we thought it would. 
I'm just being honest. I, I, I don't feel that it yielded the results that they thought they were going to get. In fact, I'm seeing a lot of these uh, 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 pastors and leaders of, of, of great mega churches that are now having to recant and go back and say, bro, we missed it. We missed it. We, 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 we said, you know, certain things couldn't happen in certain environments and certain words couldn't be spoken and certain spiritual things. And it was the spiritual that was compromised. It was the spiritual elements of things that were literally, literally checked off, written off. Like you, I know pastors that literally told their worship pastors, if you give a tongue or if you give a word, you'll be fired. I'm not making this up. This is real life. And there's something about spiritual matters, something about the supernatural, that the church will find itself in a quandary as it has until we get the emphasis back. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to jump from one ditch to the next. We're going to find the middle of the road on this. We're going to find the balance. It's possible. There's got to be a church out there that can talk about the Holy Spirit without doing hokey pokey. Not the hokey spirit, the Holy Spirit. There's somebody out there that can teach people and empower people and equip people that you are a spirit possessing a soul living in a body and that we have to understand spiritual matters and understand the supernatural realm and understand the spiritual gifts and the spiritual principles that the church ought to be using to dictate and to live by and not find ourselves encircled in in the cycle of brokenness as everybody else. There's got to be a way to do it. 2022 for this church is just going to be that. We're going to utilize these midweek services. I'll, 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 I'll teach, of course. I, I know this. You know, the, there's a man of God that I have followed since I was probably four or five years old. I mean, I remember. You can ask my mom. She'll verify. Four or five years old. Little Kenneth E. Hagen books. Underlining them. One of the first ones I ever read uh, was, was the green one. Um, oh, the name's slipping me. It was about the purpose of your life. The green with a showed the road with the fall leaves going down it. How to discover the purpose for your life, something like that. Bent up copies of you can have what you say. And, oh, I mean, just so much I've never seen a man more than him understand the balance of the spirit in the natural never I never have never have he could be in the spirit in a moment he said that he made this thing he said I could jump off this stage in the flesh and I'll be in the spirit by the time I hit the ground he, he literally was that in tune with the spirit the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit, but then also His capacity in the Spirit. And he made this statement multiple times to pastors, to leaders, to ministers. Stay with the Word. Stay with the Word. He implored them. He encouraged them. He, 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 he just he so emphatically stay with the Word. He, he told healing evangelists of the 1950s, he said, if there's not an anointing to heal in, in a service, don't try to make something up. Stay with the word. Teach the word. 
teach the word. What did Jesus do the one time in Mark chapter 6 when he could do no mighty work yet except save a few? He, do you remember what the next verse says? He went about the city in a circuit teaching. Stay with the word. We will stay with the word. I'm giving you my promise. I, I, I know the territory I am, I, I'm in. I know geographically, demographically where I'm at. I understand. This church hasn't gotten to where it's gotten in the last 20 years because we just ramrodded things. We, we stayed with the word and we taught people and we held their hand as long as we could. And others that just couldn't get on board, hey, that's okay. But we're going to stay with the word. But I'm telling you this year, we are going deeper into the things of God. The, the church built, there was a fear that crept into the church in the last 20 years to go into the deep things. Oh, pastor, you can't go that deep. You'll lose them. I remember one time someone was preaching about that. You know, Jesus, he spoke in parables that were, that were right on people's level. He, he, he came down to their level. Well, that's interesting because in Matthew chapter 13, after he gave the parable of the sower to the multitude, he turns around and his disciples specifically ask him, why don't you explain it to them? They don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he makes the statement, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom. Even Jesus, who is the greatest teacher on the planet, there were still elements that were a mystery. I'm telling you right now, revelation of the word of God is not limited by the capacity of the teacher or the preacher to communicate or articulate. It's limited by the one hearing to open up their mind to receive truth and revelation. You can get the best teacher in the world. You can get the best explainer in the world. But give me someone with experience. Paul said, I don't come to you with eloquence of speech. I don't come to you because I can break this down to you, you know, in, in such a, a dramatic way that your eyes are just, oh, now I see it. No, it's going to be because you open your mind to the things of the Spirit and you quit trying to do life as a believer out of your fleshly state alone. I was just listening this afternoon to a, a, a podcast about an individual uh, that was discussing analytics in sports. He said that sports, uh, uh, really about the last 20 years, has become very analytical. Every sport now. Uh, basketball, football really started with baseball. That They look at guys' stats they, and they analyze who to put in and, uh, against certain pitchers and, and all these different things. And it almost makes me hate baseball now because... You get a pitcher in there for one batter, and then you're pulling them. They'll go through 10 pitchers. Where back in the day, you guys used to finish games all by themselves. And I love baseball. I mean, for me to, to not enjoy a baseball game is, is difficult. He's talking about the, the analysis of things and the analytics that have come in. In fact, there was a movie made called Moneyball. Some of y'all might be familiar with it. You might not even know what that was about. You just, you just saw Brad Pitt, and he's like, that must be a good movie. He was playing the owner of the Oakland Athletics in 2001, Billy Bean, introduced this analysis of how he built this team based off of statistics, not off of big names and paying 
guys all kinds of money. He went and found guys that nobody else wanted, and he, he used these statistics and this analysis. But this guy that w- was talking on this podcast this afternoon, he said, analytics only work in certain environments. And he said, analysis always has limitations. And he said, what has happened in the last 24 months is the crisis of COVID and and different things happening in the world disrupted analysis. So these guys that were relying on analytics and when to put a guy in and what position and, and these kind of things, all of a sudden their statistics and their expectations are not yielding the results that they thought. He used a prime example uh, in the playoffs, the football playoffs last year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers played Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And toward the end of the game, very tight game throughout, toward the end of the game, Aaron Rodgers had an opportunity in a red zone, in a, in a goal line position to go for it on fourth down. Matt LaFleur, the head coach, statistically and analytically used his information to compute what would happen and and said, no, we're going to get the ball back. We're going to go ahead and and kick the field goal or whatever it was, even though they needed more points, because we're going to get the ball back and da-da-da-da. Well, the problem was it was a COVID year, and they had people on the field that they weren't prepared for weren't ready for, it broke their analysis. It broke all their statistics. It didn't work. Tom Brady ended up winning the game, obviously winning the Super Bowl for the 118th time. (laughs) And I think we're seeing the same thing in the church. That the measures and the analysis and the statistics and what have you, the natural measures is what I'm trying to get at. And while we try to introduce these other ways to grow a church, which almost looks like a Fortune 500 business, we compromise the Spirit of God because, see, and it will happen, the Holy Spirit will mess up your plans. It's funny how, you know, one of the big reasons why we don't give the Holy Spirit a lot of credence in our services and why we took this time off and this break away from the things of the spirit and understanding spiritual matters understanding spiritual things is because you know I just believe ultimately we didn't want to deal with the mess yet that's the number one thing the Holy Spirit is great at is turning messes into messages you were a mess and look what he did with you The Holy Spirit knows how to work with messes. He knows how to take stuff that that is messed up, jacked up, twisted, manipulated, misconceived, misproportioned, whatever. and, And he knows how to align it and put it in place. He knows how to do it. Far better than we can. Don't be confused. Don't be ignorant. Don't be unaware. 1 Corinthians 
Now in Ephesians chapter 3. Pastor Paul. Paul was a phenomenal pastor. Plant these churches, raise these churches up. See them grow and mature and develop. Then he'd go on and plant another. And then when he's busy planting another, he's writing back to the ones that he did plant. He's writing to this church at Ephesus. In Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 3. Verse, what did I give you guys? Verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5 in the, the New King James. No, I got to back up. Let's just start with verse 1, guys. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. the new King James. For this reason, I, Paul, could y'all do me a favor this year? Especially on Wednesdays, bring your Bible. I mean, just bring a, bring a physical copy. I'm asking you. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, I, I can't be limited by what I gave these guys on the screen. I, I got to be able to say, you know what? I got to back up. I got to. I got to go somewhere. And I don't. I don't want to rely on technology. And follow along with us. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you. Verse 3 says, how that by revelation he made known to me the, everyone say it, mystery. He's made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's a weird statement. You may, you may understand, but in the mystery of Christ. How can I understand but still be in a mystery? It's because it's spiritual understanding, but not natural understanding. Not just talking about mere natural comprehension of things. He says, my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. So it's time to raise. You know, when we talk about kingdom rise, I can help you with that. You are already all in the kingdom that God has made you to be. The moment you came into the kingdom, you're a warrior, you're a victor, you're a conqueror, you're an overcomer, you're the head and not the tail, the above and I, I'm not trying to become something, but there is a rising that needs to occur and it's in my thinking. Because what I was is directly contradictory to what I am. In the spirit, I am. In the flesh, I will never be. In my soul, I'm becoming. 
My spirit is saved. My flesh cannot be saved. And my soul is becoming saved. And so that soul realm, the mind, the will, the emotions, right here, this is the determining factor of do we live out the, this new kingdom that we've made entrance into? Do I now explore? Do I now become? Do I now uh, indwell? Do I now engage? Do I now reflect the new kingdom? When you come into the kingdom of God, you are, you are saved from the pit of hell and you are given access to the glory of the kingdom. But I do not believe you, you are made a threat to the kingdom of darkness until you renew your mind and some things are revealed. And, and some things are only going to come by the spirit of God. Only. There are no other alternatives. Checking a box won't cut it anymore. Notebooks full of notes, but lives that are just as empty as they were before won't cut it anymore. There's going to have to be some stepping into the things of the Spirit. Fearful? Sure. Because this is the thing. By design, the kingdom of God is countercultural to everything you know. To everything you know. There's nothing in the, in the natural realm from our previous world, our previous life that we used to live that we can carry into that even works in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. The kingdom messes everything up. It flips everything on its head. He says if you want to get and have, you got to be a giver. Show me a bank out there that, that tells you that. Show me, show, show me any kind of, of, of societal measure that says, man, if you want to grow financially, you got to give up. No, sacrifice is not on their mind. They're talking about keeping. Keep, 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 keep. That's completely countercultural to the way the kingdom of God works. It doesn't work. I don't want to just get access out of hell. I want to destroy hell and all that it is trying to do in the earth today. I want to put my foot on the devil's throat, bash his teeth in, and let the kingdom rise and let the gates of hell that cannot prevail be broken and destroyed right before. I want to see the gates of hell broken over our young people, broken over our marriages, broken over our communities, broken over religion, broken over broken economies, broken over systems that are bringing fear and, and constraining and restricting. It's time to break these things down and we will not do it by playing church. We will not do it by exercising 90% out of our flesh and 10% out of the spirit. I'll even go a step further. Praying about it in English is not going to solve some of the matters that we're seeing in the world today. Our praying in the spirit is going to have to increase and engage it, not just with our mouths, but with our minds. Praying in the Spirit, 
solves things. Praying in the Spirit breaks things. Praying in the Spirit beyond your mental capacity and beyond what you know is a measure given to us, given to the church, to be able to call down heaven into a realm, the unseen into the seen. And a lot of Christians, a lot of believers aren't even exercising it. The ones that do know about it aren't exercising it as they ought to. And then there's a whole handful of them that don't want to believe it, don't care about it, don't care to increase in it, don't, don't care to even receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really wonder what kind of threat to the kingdom of darkness we are without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really do. Because everybody that I look at in the word of God that did anything meaningful for the kingdom of God had the Holy Spirit upon them in great measure. Not just when it was comfortable, not when it was convenient, not as long as people weren't looking. Gideon had the spirit of the Lord upon him. David had the spirit of the Lord upon him. Jesus himself didn't do one miracle, teach one, didn't, didn't do one thing until the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then he gives the instruction to his disciples that are about to turn the world upside down, that have walked with him. Well, I've got Jesus. The disciples had Jesus more than you'll ever have Jesus. They walked with him, lived with him for three and a half years. If they spent... Eight hours a day, five days a week with him for those three. It would have been over 8,000 hours that they spent in the presence of Jesus. And he said this, go and wait for the promise of the Father. A commitment to and a, 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 a yieldedness and a dependability upon the Spirit of God. Spiritual matters. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the what? It's revealed by the Spirit. That's a loaded statement. Revealed. By the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. I want to read this to you beginning with verse 5 in the Passion Translation. There has never been a generation that has been given the detailed understanding of this glorious and divine mystery until now. What will we do with that glorious and divine mystery that no other generation has been given access to until now? How will we steward that? He kept it a secret until this generation. God is revealing it only now to his sacred apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Here's the secret. The gospel of grace has made you, non-Jewish believers, into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. 
that's the secret right there. That's the best kept secret. You and I are now co-heirs with Jesus. You know, without the Holy Spirit, you don't know who you are. You don't know what belongs to you. You don't know what rights and privileges are yours. I mean, you wouldn't tolerate that in, in the natural. Living in the freest country on the planet, not knowing your rights and privileges, not knowing the law, the systems of the law, the Constitution. They don't care about our constitutional rights until they're threatened to be taken away. But all of a sudden, you start studying the book. I, I, that's my right. And you won't even let lawmakers take it away from you. Right? Because lawmakers don't get to interpret the law. They don't get to change the law. They're there to uphold a constitution. But yet, how many Christians in the, in the spiritual are familiar with their constitutional rights in a kingdom that you've now been translated out of darkness into light. What good is it if you come into a new kingdom that supplies healing to you, but you're going to let the devil rob you of that? And go a step further and say, God, put it on you. See, that's not knowing your constitutional rights. No. Healing is the children's bread. Healing belongs to me. He took stripes on his back for that. And now I don't tolerate things that don't line up with the Constitution, the Word of God. Those are my rights. Those are my privileges. Those are my benefits. I'm in the family. He can't hold my past against me because I got all new blood. I got a whole new DNA running through my veins. I'm a child of God. Man, you start getting bold about some things. You start standing up in the face of some things. No, we're not standing for this. You're not touching my home. You're not touching my kids. You're not, you're not bringing that against me. You start learning some things. We're co-heirs with Jesus. And you have now become members of his body, one with the anointed one. I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I am the least significant of all his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace alone empowers me so that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to non-Jewish people, sharing with them the unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are, here it is, beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. So look at Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. These spiritual matters have to increase in value for the church. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 13.
In him you also trusted. After you what? Heard the word of truth. You can't trust before, right? Not a whole lot of trusting, not a whole lot of believing until we've heard. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I think right there we, we, we've got to take a better inventory this year of what our hearing looks like. I believe whatever you hear is where you build your faith. Faith comes by hearing. There's a comma there, but you can put a period there. Whenever I spend my time hearing the most is where I will build my faith the strongest. That's, a, that's just a principle in and of itself. Faith is built on what is heard and repeatedly heard. So I can build my faith on news and doctor reports and bank statements just as much as I can build my faith in the word of God. And once I heard the truth, it says, then we trusted. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed. So now my belief system is developed off of what I'm hearing and yielding myself to. It says, after you were having believed, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. What's the until? Until we're not here. Until we are fully redeemed into our heavenly existence. Until we are fully redeemed Right now, we're only half redeemed. Our spirit's redeemed, but we're still dragging along this flesh that tries to drag us back into darkness and drag us back into the old ways of doing things. So until I have attained the full redemption, I have a Holy Spirit who's a guarantee of my inheritance. It doesn't mean it doesn't belong to you. It just means you're going to have to get a hold of the Holy Spirit to discover what belongs to you and walk in that. And, and remind you, denominations and, and time and, and people groups and demographics have spent time eliminating the Holy Spirit. So it's no wonder we don't know what our inheritance is. It's no wonder when a worldwide virus or pandemic breaks out, the church is just as scared as everybody else. No wonder because we spent 20 years prior to that saying, Holy Spirit, we don't need you. We got this so the Holy Spirit is more necessary than, than we'll ever know the Holy Spirit is more needed than we'll ever know crisis only reveals what is already there 
There's plenty of them now trying to build a boat in the middle of the storm. No, we need the Holy Spirit. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. In essence, what he's saying is while you're on this earth, you're designed to live and operate by the revelation of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Not just when you need it. Not just when I can't figure it out in the natural. Okay, I've tried the 10 ways of, uh, uh, of getting out of this financial struggle, this financial crisis. All right, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? No, it is to be a lifestyle. It's supposed to be the, the default for the believer. Not the last resort. It ought to be the first priority. It ought to be, Holy Spirit, what do we need to do about this situation? Go to the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, Therefore, everyone say, therefore. One translation reads, for this reason. For this reason. What's the reason? Because the Holy Spirit is the revelator of the inheritance that belongs to you until your purchase redemption. Therefore, since it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal to you who you are, what belongs to you, what this new kingdom is all about. Therefore, for this reason, here we go. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now that right there denotes implies some very deliberate and intentional praying for this church in Ephesus. And I think we've done this before, but in case you, you weren't here for that or you missed it, he did this in just about every epistle he wrote. Making mention of you. I'm praying for you. I do not cease to give thanks for you. I do not cease to pray for you. I'm on my knees, bowing my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ for you. Some very deliberate and intentional prayers. And he's not praying for their safety in the midst of persecution. He's not praying for their boldness to stand up against those that would try to stop the work of God. He's not praying that they would make converts and bring in lost people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Not praying what you think Pastor Paul might be praying for this church that he's planted some years ago. Look at what he's praying for. I don't cease to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, here it is, not lost converts, more saved souls, a great worship team, greater influence in your community. Listen to what he's praying. Daily, intentionally, deliberately, I pray that the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
I'm praying that you would have your eyes of understanding enlightened, that you may what? Know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. What is Paul praying daily, deliberately, intentionally, with effort? Two chapters later in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I bow my knee. Meaning that this isn't just some casual prayer that I wake up and, oh, Lord, I, I pray that you open the church, open the eyes of the church of Ephesus. Amen. No, he's showing, he's showing effort for the Corinthian church, the church at Colossae, the church at Ephesus, the church at Thessalonica. These churches that he's planting, he's saying, what good is it? that we're planting churches and bringing people out of darkness into light if they have no clue what they're doing. No clue of spiritual matters. Who they are in Christ. What belongs to them. And it's not, I'm praying that the Lord would bring teachers along your path. Praying that the Lord would bring to you an evangelist. This isn't about traveling all over the world trying to find evangelists and trying to find pastors and teachers. And this guy's holding the meeting and this guy's doing that and these people are doing it. No, it's about getting in a house of God and praying for revelation that your eyes would be opened. This is probably the greatest need the church, the church has in these last days is to have its eyes open to the things of the Spirit. Ignorant, confused, unaware. That won't be us. That won't be us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.